please exhale. And now let's begin. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. If you're interested in exploring holistic wellness topics through a perspective that blends spirituality with science, I think you've found the right place. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Let's figure out this life thing together. Always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Hey friends, so this is sadly to say my last episode before maternity leave and it's going out a week later than I intended it to, but I suppose that's all right since you have a long break for me. So if you want to find me during while I take maternity leave, because I'm due in less than a week now, which means I could have a baby anytime, which actually feels kind of cool that this is the episode to kind of end on because the topic uh, has a little bit to do with, you know, meditation and motherhood and kind of entrepreneurship and motherhood and just all kinds of good, just real authentic things like that. So um, I'll introduce the guests in just a moment and we'll get in the interview. Just a couple housekeeping things because I will be gone. So if you had scheduled a reading with me or if you had purchased a reading that you haven't scheduled yet, just a quick reminder that my books do close for one-on-one sessions. Um... Uh, this Friday, the 4th, for an undisclosed amount of time. It'll probably be late April or May before I start accepting one-on-one sessions again. So if you want to get in there in the last minute, you can. I'll be around um, between now and Friday. But then also, if you want to find me otherwise, I hope to be posting some episodes on my Yogi Scopes podcast, the Astrology Podcast. So that's why I'm taking a hiatus from this one, as I mentioned on the last episode. Um, and if I do end up dropping episodes on this podcast, I might do it as a surprise, but it'll be a surprise for me too. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have any planned surprises that are surprises for you, but not for me. Like if I do, it'll be because I recorded something on the wisdom app, which is a social audio app. I always have it linked in the show notes so you can find me there. Um, but then if I do record something that feels really, uh, good and relevant and like I should probably release it here then I might but I just the reason I say that is because I usually like when I record podcast episodes I can pause and collect my thoughts and I can like delete it if I say something stupid and I could totally do that with the wisdom recordings I could go back and edit it but I will have a newborn so I probably won't so if I drop a wisdom recording um here which I might do, it just, the quality might be a little lower, the recording quality is lower because it comes from my phone rather than my computer with my fancy microphone. Um, and just, it won't be edited. So just bear that in mind. If I do drop a surprise episode, it'll be, it might be a little lower quality, but worth it, right? You know, the, the information will be, if I drop an episode, it'll be because it felt important enough to share. So make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already so that you get notified if I do drop one of those surprise episodes, but also when I come back, because right now I still don't have an exact date. It will be a minimum of six weeks, but it could be longer. I don't know. could be more like eight. Um, but by May, hopefully I'll be back. Um, and then, so this episode is a really good one. I super enjoyed This interview, um, Carolyn Choate is the founder of Increase Your Impact, which is so she she helps with digital marketing and she just shares so authentically in this episode about her journey, how she went from getting a poetry degree to becoming a digital marketer and her journey. And it just feels so authentic. And like if I was in a position to want to hire somebody to help me with my marketing, she would be the one I would want to hire because um, it just, a lot of marketing feels really cringy to me. Um, and it feels like coaching out there on how to like build an online course is like the new pyramid scheme sometimes. Like, like there's people that are selling you get rich quick schemes with online courses. And the only thing they've ever done is sell get rich quick schemes. Like they've never actually sold an online course otherwise. Um, and so just listen to the episode, even if you have no desire, because I am really conscious to make this podcast. Like I am not going to turn into a yoga business coach because it seems like all of my favorite yoga podcasts do. You can mark my words on that. 
Uh, it seems like all of my favorite yoga podcasts do. They eventually take that um, business coaching direction because that's where the money is, I guess, because everybody wants to get rich off of online marketing and stuff. So even if that's not the desire for you, even if you don't have an online business, it's like this episode is not to pitch to you online marketing. Um, if anything, it will help you decipher the real ones from the authentic ones. But if you are running some kind of online business and you are in a position to want to get some help with the marketing, I haven't worked with her myself, but I would highly recommend Carolyn because she just is so authentic. And like, I can see her channels and see that she knows what she's doing enough from the outside looking in. Um, I don't have a personal anecdote to tell you, but I can tell you she knows she definitely knows what she's doing and she is super real and authentic. And that's where I place value personally um, more than. Um, yeah, just listen to the episode and, and you'll hear some of the things like and she just talks about like so much good stuff, like just life stuff. This is the exact kind of conversation I love to have on this podcast because it twists and turns and takes a lot of directions, you know, like we talk about her life story and she shares really authentically and vulnerably and it's beautiful. And I think you'll get a lot of value out of it if you're interested in yoga, learning more about yoga. And, you know, if you like to do that learning online, whether you are teaching yoga online yourself or you just imagine you're here listening to yoga podcasts, you like learning about yoga online in, in some way. So you can learn more about the kind of nuances and caveats there. And um, she shares some good tips about, you know, meditation and motherhood. And it's just, it's a good conversation. So I hope you really enjoy it. And I hope during my time off, you connect with me either in my Facebook group that's always linked in the show notes, the Yoga Plus Astrology Facebook group, or on the Wisdom app. Those will be the two good ways to find me or hit subscribe on the podcast so that you get notified when I come back and otherwise have a great couple of months. And I hope to, I say, you know, see you again. I don't know. I, I hope you're around. I hope you stick around when I come back. Thanks so much for being here. And let's dive into the interview. Welcome to another episode of The Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary, and today I am joined by Carolyn Choate. Hi, Carolyn. Hello. So Carolyn is the founder of a business called Increase Your Impact, and she reached out to me saying that she resonated with some of the things I share on the podcast about, you know, mom life and spiritual entrepreneuring and things like that. So I'm really excited to hear your story today, Carolyn, and learn from you and hear what you have to share. So thanks for being here. Thank you. I love the name Rosemary. I have an aunt named Rosemary. Aww. Just like thanks. makes me think of her. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. I've never met another Rosemary that wasn't like, like a grandma or something. I mean, like to be honest, of... <laughs> my, my aunt is in her seventies. So <laughs> yeah. One of my good friends in high school had a grandma named Rosemary too. So it's a grandma name, but that's all right. I've been told I'm an old soul. Uh, so um, so why don't you just start off by telling us your story? Like, how did you find yourself to be where you are today? Whatever, sure. however you yeah. want to take that. I, um, I grew up in a really spiritual household, but not in the way that most Americans mean. Um, my parents joined a Hindu based cult in the seventies. And so I was born into that in 1982. And, um, so born and raised with Hindu philosophy, but they didn't say that it was Hindu philosophy. It was all, you know, this is the universal truth at the heart of all religions. And it wasn't until I got to college mm. and I encountered Christians who were like, you know, this is the only path to God. So I was like, oh, okay, I better consider that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I studied it and I worked with them in depth and I was like, hang on. All of these beliefs that I grew up with are 100% Hindu. 
And everything that I look through, you know, any lens that I look through is all Hindu. And Mm. so I left the cult and I went back to the source and I've been a practicing Hindu for most of my life. Wow. Um, Yeah. And my parents also left um, a few years later and they now go direct. They, um, they visit India every four years or so and, and meet with a guru there. Wow. That's like (laughs) wild, but I'm glad it didn't turn you off. You know, I know cult dynamics can be, they can have the good and the bad, right? Um, Mm. Yeah. I'm glad it didn't turn you off from (laughs) Hinduism as a whole. I felt like the the philosophy was sound. I really definitely, totally, it fit with my beliefs really well. Although as far as I know, I think I'm the only one of the kids who grew up in the cult who is identifies as Hindu. I don't know. Wow. I think most of them went back to their kind of religion of origin. Um, yeah. But I could be wrong. But as far as I know, it seems to be that way. Um, so what does that I, look like for you? <laughs> like, what is... Um, so this is like... The reason I ask is because like this is a yoga podcast and yoga comes from Hinduism and it's something I spend some time talking about how they're like it comes from hinduism they're not technically the same thing like yoga isn't technically a a religion but it's kind of Mm -hmm. inextricably linked with the religion so could you just say a little bit more about what it means to be a practicing hindu i so appreciate the way that that narrative has been changing over the last few years because you know like i said born in 1982 so i'm turning 40 this year i'm a little bit older and when I first encountered yoga, it was very divorced from any spirituality. It was mm-hmm. like, look at this cool exercise. Oh, yeah, yeah, we think, I guess it comes from India, whatever. Um, so to see people acknowledging the way that it was born in Hinduism uh, mm-hmm. is, is very heartwarming to me and, and makes me really happy to see that. And yeah, I don't think you have to be a Hindu to do yoga, but it definitely is strongly connected to the Hindu values and beliefs and philosophies. And so it's, it's nice to see that acknowledged. Hi. (laughs) I think in Hinduism, we really see it as a um, very holistic. It's part of everything in your life. And so the movement of your body, the way that you breathe, it's all a part of a spiritual experience. Right. Yeah. Well, I just love that about Hindu culture and Indian culture in general, that it's all, they have a much more, from what I've seen, you know, from the outside looking in, I've like been to India once in my life and studied yoga for the past five years intensely, 10 years, whatever. But um, it, it seems like there's a much more emphasis on like community and everything being holistic and caring for like everybody. That seems to be the culture to me. Um, and I love that. So this is just an aside, just a quick curiosity question, yeah. um, because I also study Vedic astrology. Do you um, do anything with that? Or I really want to get more into it. I know very little about Vedic astrology, yeah. and uh, and even Ayurveda. I'm like, yeah. I'm a total noob at that. I don't know it, but <laughs> that's cool. Like yeah, it's just more about. <laughs> I was just curious. Um, yeah, I would say like it, my daily it is so vast. Has, like, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge so topic. Much. I mean, thousands yeah. of years of knowledge and it's it's so special because it evolves and it yeah. adds, you know, it's not like, oh, we wrote this book several thousand years ago, so now we can never add to it, we can never change anything. Uh, Hinduism is always changing and evolving and taking into account new information because it's all about like let's seek deep in our soul and try to figure out what the truth is. Does this ring true? Let's right. test it out. Let's see. Yeah. It's um so it's it's really it can grow and evolve and take into account new information and I so it becomes extremely vast. Yeah. Is that like seems a little bit like science to me? Just yeah. you know. Like I, I think so. I mean changing I get in, in the face of new information. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I think Hinduism is a very scientific religion, but some some people, my atheist friends, are like, mm, <laughs> it's still pretty out there at times. 
I'm with you but, on that. I you know, think it is my too. Dad, my dad is a microbiologist. And so he has been in science his entire life. And he's like, yeah. there's no contradiction between Hinduism and science. <laughs> you know? I think so. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I would also say that many of the things like, you know, from Ayurveda, as an example, they're still tested kind of in the same way we would do like controlled trials you know it's just it's just a little different um but it's still something that's been like tried out a bunch of times over many many you know hundreds of years um yeah and and, it's always like try it if it doesn't work for you okay that's all right try something else (laughs) yeah so um so you say you it was in college you converted, or I, I don't know if converted is the right word. Yeah, Sorry, I like, kind of started identifying um, as Hindu. Identifying as a practicing Hindu. And so I remember seeing in the message you sent me, you said you went to a, you ha- you got a poetry degree. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. What was that like? So I went into college knowing that I wanted to be a writer. Um, I had been, you know, writing novels in my notebook since I was about 12 And I thought, well, poetry is an area that I don't know as much about. So I wanted to dig into that. So I really did my my emphasis on poetry. And then I got a master's degree in in fiction writing. Uh, And then I discovered that it's really hard to make a living as a fiction writer. (laughs) There are people doing it. And I have friends who are doing it. But I write like Mm. one book every 10 years, which is not (laughs) a sustainable career. (laughs) Yeah. So I had to I had to do a lot of soul searching to find the right job for me. And it really took a very long time. You know, I, I spent most mm. of my 20s feeling like I suck at everything. I am terrible. I, why am I even here? Like, I can't do anything. Mm. Yeah. It yeah. Was awful. And I thought, OK, I'm going to be a mom and that will make me feel fulfilled and I'll be a stay at home mom. So I finally met my husband when I was 30. We had kids at 34 and 36 and I did not love being a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Uh, so that was so you, that was devastating that I that I didn't enjoy it. You kind of thought you would like it, and then it didn't turn out that way. Yeah, because part of the cult dynamic was, of course, really strict gender roles. And so, mm. as a woman, I was brought up like your only path to God is through servitude to a husband and Mm -hmm. your your purpose is to have children and not work and all of that good stuff so recovering from that has been a lifelong journey and i had it in my oh hi this is moksha kitty moksha (laughs) the cat what a cute little sweet kitty um so um yeah so i had it maybe even subconsciously that like, of course, motherhood is going to be the ultimate thing that makes me feel fulfilled and, and is yeah. the, the right thing for me. And, and of course I love being a mother and I love my children, but mm-hmm. I was shocked by realizing that I was not fulfilled or satisfied that I wanted to do something. And I always thought I'm not a career person. I'm not ambitious. So it's like, that's really, so really valid though. And I think, I imagine a lot of people will resonate with that experience because I do, you know, I mean, I like, so I have a two year old and a baby to be born very soon. And I love being a mom. Like I'm with you on that. I love being a mom. And to some degree, I think it makes sense. Um, Like, you know, I, the, the birthing person needs to recover after giving birth. Um, And I breastfed, so I I had to spend a lot more time with my kid. Like there, it was it was easier for me to just be with my kid than to try and pump so somebody else could take him so I could do stuff, right? And so, so to some degree, I was like, this makes sense. It like gender roles, but I also found myself rebelling against that just purely for the purpose that it's like gender roles, you know? Like I I find myself with this pregnancy being like resentful. I'm like. Mm. You know, I already have to give up my body and my health, and now you're asking me to give up my career too. You know, I'm like, yeah, something's got to give, right? So I think, but there are a lot of women, parent, mothers, birthing people, I think that do find a lot of fulfillment with being a stay-at-home mom. But I think, I think your experience and, and my experience too, and like just that experience of like wanting to still kind of have an identity out of 
motherhood is like super valid. Um, and I think even stay at home moms find that. Um, and then they end up becoming yeah, work at home moms. And even if it's um, not like a, a job or a career, like I think stay at home moms still manage to find an identity in, in something yeah. um, that's not just yeah. being a, a slave to their children. <laughs> right. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, but totally. I well, I couldn't seem to find it. I couldn't, I don't know. It was, it was um, such a challenging time mentally. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah, it is totally. Um, so what did, do you mind saying a little more about what that process was like for you? Like what um, led you, or I guess what, how did you, start to think about like what you're going to do how did you decide what did you end up doing so I had tried so many things throughout my life I had been a secretary I had been customer service at the grocery store I can now get you through the self-check machines without a problem so that was a very good skill (laughs) that I picked up along the way yeah Um, all sorts of things that I didn't (laughs) like and I thought you know I'm just not cut out to to do like a traditional job which made me feel like a bad person because, you know, other people are able to just put their heads down and do work. Why can't you do that? What kind of an entitled brat are you? Classic millennial problem, I think. Um, (laughs) But but I had always continued to like do little things. Like I was writing a blog about being Hindu um, and doing, doing those little passion projects that weren't like a career, they weren't bringing in money, but it was something that was feeding my soul and my identity. Mm. Yeah. Um, but the really surprising thing that happened was I, being a stay at home mom, I joined a stay at home mom's group and in a stay at home mom's group, network marketing comes up. Oh yeah. So I got hooked into direct sales and started trying trying that. Um, I tried a few different companies. I have no regrets. I mean, I didn't lose money on it. It's all kinds of horror stories out there. But for me, yeah. it was it was very eye opening because I realized that I didn't love selling products, but I loved digital marketing. Mm. Like loved it. And I just thought, I think we do this a lot when we have a talent for something. You just think, yeah, but everybody can do that. Like, right? It's normal. Um, so right. I was just assuming that everybody understood how like marketing funnels work. And some of my other friends in direct sales were like, no, this, this does not make sense to us. We don't, we don't know how this works. And I was like, really? It hardly makes so, sense to me. Yeah. So, so. Clear. Right. so for the first time ever in my life, I felt talented at something. Wow. And yay. I mean, so amazing to feel that I'm in my late thirties and I finally feel like I'm good at something. Wow. What a blessing. That's super cool. I love that. So once my kids were getting ready to start school and my mom was like, you should think about getting a job again. I was like, Oh God, anything but that. Right. So that's when I researched like, okay, how can I be a digital marketer? And I took some online classes. I did some internships. I got clients and it's all been pretty smooth and I really love building marketing funnels which as a poetry major I just was like what it does (laughs) seem out of love field things (laughs) yeah it's kind of surprising but I'm glad you found that and that's something I kind of think about sometimes with like um because I know another like kind of spiritual business coach she's a coach for spiritual entrepreneurs and and she still does network marketing to like essential oils, which makes sense in the mm-hmm. yoga world. Like a lot of people use essential together. oils. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but so I, I like wrestle with that too, because I got sucked into a network, mar- ne- network marketing thing for a little bit. And it's like, it's, it's almost like one of those things that we just all like go through at some point. Like we all got to try it because it's tempting. Right. You know, yeah. or like some people they don't. They make it but... sound so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so easy. It's not easy. But, yeah. I mean, it's doable. But I do I think there's, doing it, but. <laughs> there's a lot to that. Like I'm like kind of like with everything, there's like good and the bad, right? Like, and there's bad and the good and, and pyramid schemes or whatever you want, like you want to call them network marketing you know, for people that don't know the many words, pyramid scheme, uh, direct sales, network marketing, all those things. 
MLM. Like tap- MLM, yeah. All the words for it, but like, and they're generally regarded, I think. I remember when I did it, my one of my friends was like, don't do that. That's so bad. And I was like, oh, there is good in it. Like, I actually did learn some good, you know, marketing skills too. I think, I think there's something to it. Um, and I'd love to get into the nitty gritty with you about how that um, kind of marketing plan, I guess, if that's a good word to use, can apply to, can apply or be tweaked to apply to like running a spiritual business for se- per se or like whatever, because it's interesting to me because I see parallels. I see like good things that can come out of that, but I also yeah. see dangerous things like like the whole part about it where the thing that rubbed me the wrong way the most about network marketing was like, I didn't want my friends or my people to feel like I was reaching out to them with an ulterior motive. Like I didn't want people to think that if I was reaching out to them, that they had to be on the, on guard for that. Right. Yes. You know, agreed. So, um, I still technically have my, Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. You were saying you still technically have your... I still technically have my, like, affiliate link, I guess you'd call it, for one of these companies, but I don't sell it to friends and family. Like, I set up an online funnel, and sometimes people make purchases through it. Cool. They're people I don't know. (laughs) Nice. Because, you know... And I think that's... Yeah, that's fine. It's the same thing as, like... I've mentioned this on this podcast before. Like, everything is a business model. You know, like, some... Like podcasting is a business model. Like I don't just do this. For, I mean, I kind of do it for fun. I started out doing it, and I was like not getting paid at all for first like year yeah, I did but there's it. There's nothing I wrong was, with getting paid. You know, that's something right too, exactly that, that us moms need to remember that, and yeah. especially spiritual people need to remember. Like it's okay to get paid for the effort and the work that you're putting in. There's nothing totally. Wrong with that. <laughs> and there are like little things you can do, like. Like with podcasting, for example, you can like, if I recommend a book, I could get an Amazon affiliate link where if I recommend you a book and you go buy it through my link, I get like 40 cents or whatever. Like that's a thing. Um, everything's yep. a business model in my opinion. Like, like every, you know, some people just get their money from a regular job and then some of us don't and we have to think of a business model. So um I think it's good to look at things that way. But so would you mind before? Because I am curious to know about how um, how that applies to like your business. Not like what I was talking about, like marketing and more nitty gritty stuff. But I'm also curious because I'm sure this is applies to even people that say maybe have like a regular job. Um, what was it like to you for you making the switch like? You said you took some courses and stuff. How did you determine what to do? Were you just kind of like, can you say That's a little a bit question. more about that? Yeah, it's, um, oh, it's so challenging because you don't want to like get scammed. You don't want to end up spending thousands of dollars on a course. That's not actually mm-hmm. helpful. So, um, I Googled how to become a digital marketer. I found a blog post that had a step-by-step plan that sounded pretty good to me yeah. didn't raise any red flags so i pretty much followed along with his advice um and i was very cautious with spending money um for for training because i looked at you know reviews mm-hmm. and talked to people um and i was also really carried by this confidence that i understood this stuff on a basic level that i had a talent for it Mm-hmm. Um, that helped me to feel so confident that I could go out there and say, yes, I can do this. Like with a minimal amount of experience, pitching myself to a client and saying, yeah, I know how to do this. I can absolutely do this for you. Um, I was really glad to find the website that had, um, internships. It's called Acadium. And I, I guess not everybody has good luck on there, but it was great for me. It was free. Nice. Um, I got um, two internships there and both of them, you know, the, the key to the internship, of course, is to do really good work and make them want to hire mm-hmm. you at the end, which they right. did. And I'm still working for one of those people. Wow. So, so were those internships like part-time, freelance, like independent yeah, contractor like type three stuff? Month three months of freelance, like, I think it's 10 hours a week. 
Mm. Um, so I, I had the luxury of having the time to be able to do unpaid work because I was coming right. from being a stay at home mom. So I was already not bringing in income. <laughs> it's like, so what else is new? Yeah. Um, that's a really good place to be, but, but I think that, and, I and mean, getting to know people yeah. in the industry, networking with people has been a huge thing, like through that internship, meeting the client, she introduced me to her ads manager who has become my business coach. And wow, like, it, it all is connected up and you get to know these, these people in the, in the industry. So. So you've pretty much been like, I mean, you've clearly been an entrepreneur the whole time, right? Like yeah. doing it. Just yeah. Know, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I think some of us find ourselves there for sure. It's like, oh shit, like I'm an entrepreneur. I mean, nobody now. in my family has ever had an entrepreneurial instinct at all. So I, right. I just was not even looking for it, not expecting. No, it. I think that's awesome though. And I think, um, I mean, so this is one thing I I like to kind of think about, point out um, that entrepreneurship is like. It's basically the same thing as leadership. Like you can apply these principles to just like if you work a regular job or whatever, mm. you apply these principles to like, you know, like being a self-starter, seeing what needs to do and be done and doing it and, you know, things like that. Um, yeah. They're kind of essential to run your own business. Um, but so I, I also keep getting sidetracked and I'm going to rewind again. <laughs> um, so... Can you say a little bit more about I because I forgot to ask about this while we were on that part of like talking about your story about being a mom and whatever. I remember you mentioned that um like meditation helped you a lot with with momming. Um so could you say a little bit more about that, what that has looked like for you? <laughs> I have had a rocky relationship with meditation. And it's most of us do. Yeah. I don't know. People are so I maybe people they just just don't want to admit honest it. about it. Yeah, yeah, because you see so much positive <laughs> online about like you got to meditate. Meditation is the key. It's so important. It's so great. And I'm just like, yeah, I have a lot of negative feelings about meditation. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's simple. Yeah. It's simple, but it's hard. Right. And the way that I totally. grew up, we we were initiated into transcendental meditation at 13. So I was given a mantra. I was given a secret mantra, not allowed to tell anybody what it is. Um, it was the same mantra for the whole for the whole organization, but we, oh, you know, speaking it out loud, they said would diminish its power. So we were required to meditate thirty minutes in the morning and thirty minutes in the evening, ideally at dawn and dusk. Mm -hmm. um, to me, it was like a chore. You know, I was, mm. I was excited to get initiated because I was super curious what the mantra was. My parents wouldn't tell me, which was driving me crazy. <laughs> I really wanted to know. So I found out what yeah. it was. And then it was like, have you brushed your teeth? Have you meditated? Right. <sighs> and then we would go on these retreats where we would have these really intense leaders who were getting us up at 4.30 in the morning and we're sitting outside, like fighting off mosquitoes, trying to sit still and meditate for 30 minutes and... So the whole thing was not a great experience, but Makes on the sense. other hand, I can yeah. see how it did give me a good ability to be able to take that pause. Mm. And I think this is the greatest gift that meditation has given for me is when something happens and you have a chance to stop before you react. It gives mm -hmm. that breathing room to make a decision about how you're going to react yeah. instead of instantly. And that's totally a skill. It needs to be yeah. practiced. Yeah. And now I do meditation in, in a different way. Um, mm -hmm. I did change my mantra. Um, I, I chose one that was more uh, resonating with me when I was in my 20s. Yeah. And these days I do only a few minutes. I'll, I have a morning routine where I do a puja, which is, you know, I have my statues of the gods and I mm -hmm. will light candles and ring a bell and then I'll meditate for, you know, three to five minutes. And mm -hmm. I'm happy with that. Like that's been, that's been really good for me and, and helped me to feel grounded, connected and present yeah. and then move on. <laughs> I think that's fine too. And I think it's a really important, like, like, I think a lot of us need to step back from what Instagram makes meditation look like <laughs> and um, find what really resonates with us. You know what I mean? Like, like you were saying, like, shorter time period and a, and a better mantra that felt more suited for you. And I think that's like following your intuition about it is 
much more helpful. And also, to- I also want to just give people a little warning, heads up, that meditation can bring up some really mm. difficult things, some traumas, yeah. deep-seated subconscious issues. And so if you're finding it's scary to be present with yourself, you should definitely mm-hmm. not go it alone. You should find a teacher Agreed. who can help guide you through that because meditation can can waken some some scary stuff in people. It can. Yeah. And that's actually, I mean, a lot of what I do is like yoga for trauma. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good evidence about how yoga reconnects you to your body and your emotions. But if we've been burying things down there and we would get reconnected to them, that can be scary. So that's why yeah. I think this is a good example. Thank you for bringing that up because I've said recently on this podcast about how like, you know, I did use yoga to overcome like addiction, but I was also going to counseling. And I think that's the perfect mm. illustration of why, because um, like, I don't think counseling can really heal us on its own either, unless it's a very holistic therapist yeah it goes back to what we were saying before like it it is holistic it's the whole yeah mind body spirit your whole life has to be yeah connected to that healing but i yeah so thank you for mentioning that and i also if you don't mind sharing if it's like was too long ago or whatever like you don't have to answer but um when you're you were you said when you were doing the thirty minute meditation every day and it felt like a chore. Can, do you know, like could you say a little bit more about what it was like? Like, did your mind wander more or less in the thirty minutes? You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, it was just so boring and hard to sit yeah. still. And I was a kid. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, and developmentally, and I mean, mind wandering. Yeah, mind kids, wandering yeah. is okay. That's part of meditation. That, right. that practice of returning your attention to the mantra or the breath. Like uh-huh. it's okay for your mind to wander, but I was just so bored. That's what I think. It's like, I, that's why I wanted to kind of point that out and ask about your experience there because I think, well, yeah, first of all, as a kid, it's like not really developmentally appropriate to expect a kid to sit still for that long. There's no benefit for that um you know but um and depending on the age of course like at a certain age it, it is but um um I think that's what there's a lot of emphasis on keeping practicing meditation until your practice can become like as long as physically possible you know like some yoga teachers talk about getting up to meditating like 60 minutes a day and it's like okay like give a pat on your back for that but like <laughs> most of us are householders and mm-hmm. meditating 60 yeah, minutes a day. You're not a monk. You're not spending yeah. hours and hours and hours meditating. And that doesn't need to be the goal. Yeah. That's why, that's why I kind of wanted to like dig into that a little bit because I feel like for a lot of people, the same benefits can be achieved in a shorter amount of time, but not too short because there is a switch that happens. At least I found this like I like to think of it as like ripples. Like my thoughts are like ripples and or like a snow globe, you know, and like when I first sit down to meditate, it's like very my mind is very disruptive. Mm-hmm. And it and it slowly will still. And like there'll still be thoughts that come up, but it it happens like they get I like I like to say the space between them gets longer and the mm-hmm. space between the thoughts is where the meditation happens. You know, it's like you don't sit down to meditate, you sit down to be still and wait until the meditation like happens to you. Um, mm, that's a great you know? way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that, I think there's something to be said to point out that like, it doesn't have to look like anything. It's a very intuitive practice. Like I think with practicing over time, you'll figure out whether you need the full 30 minutes or if three to five will do, or if three to five is your mind's or not settling in that amount of time. A different style of meditation like yeah kind of test them out I think the way I grew up it was very like this is the way this is the only way that you are going to achieve enlightenment is if you do mm-hmm. mantra-based meditation this amount of time and uh and I just don't I don't buy that anymore there's so many different types of meditation that are well yeah. suited to different people and where they're at in their life and how their personality is and sometimes it's more 
like becoming grounded and connected with all mm-hmm. of your senses and yeah yeah it can look it can look a lot of different ways i think that's i'm glad we could spend some time like thinking through that because i think um i think that's like little known you know people mm-hmm. can go to yoga or whatever for a long time before ever realizing that or you know and i i mean being, i'm not i'm not a great meditator so i don't know if yeah. you should take my word for it but that's my feeling on well subject my grandma always years. said two things make a sure and we both think that so we must be sure All right. <laughs> i like it I'll yeah take that. That, <laughs> that that's fine um so yeah so you've kind of been doing that all along like you said your meditation switched at some it's point but on. it's, it's pretty been on. yeah I've, I've really been enjoying it recently. I um, I ended up getting on an, a, an antidepressant when I was pregnant with my son. I got yeah. really bad perinatal depression. Who knew that was a mm. thing? Like not postpartum. As <laughs> soon yeah. as I was pregnant. Um, and so I had been on it ever since, but I kept on having these lapses where I would forget to renew it in time. And mm. so I was on this awful cycle of... Uh, the crash. Yeah. And yes, Garrick. I'm not. I'll let you know when I'm done. Nope. I'm going to take a break after this one and play Minecraft with you. I will tell you when I'm done. Oh, I love it. Life um, of a working mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. I would have these crashes and this last time I I've always been like, I want to get off it. I don't even know why. Like my husband is very pro medication. My friends are Mm. all like, it's your brain chemistry. You can't help that. Like just, just take the medicine. But I've always been a reluctant medicine taker, like even Mm. Tylenol. I'm just like, I can't do without it. So anyway, so I keep on accidentally but maybe subconsciously I'm letting it happen. But anyway, so this last time I was like, I'm going to see if I can use some of these like mindfulness practices mm. to, to stay emotionally steady instead. Yeah. And, you know, I know there's a lot of like flack about telling people like, Oh, you don't need antidepressants, just meditate. Um, so I would mm. never like, I don't believe that. Yeah. But for myself, right. I found that I was able to develop, a practice that allowed me to stay off of antidepressants and keep my mood more stabilized. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, I was really glad for that. Well, I'm going to give my unsolicited opinion about that. Slightly educated <laughs> unsolicited opinion. Okay. That the way I look at antidepressants and, and psychiatric meds in general is that they're kind of like, I mean, it's just like anything in Western medicine. It's, um, it's a treatment. Some people have like, where maybe their brain chemistry is permanently altered and they will need it forever. But I think in the great majority of cases, like especially if it arose from something like pregnancy where your hormones are impacted, which can obviously impact your mental health, it's all connected. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you go through changes, whether that's because you're no longer pregnant, you've stop breastfeeding or whatever, you've been not pregnant long enough for your hormones to kind of level out. Um, Or say you change your diet because diet has a lot more impact on hormones and mental health than the medical world kind of recognizes at large at this point. Um, So I think, I think it's one of those things that's like, you know, if you break your arm, you go and get a cast, right? And then, but you don't need the cast forever unless you're like, Unless you break your back and you're paralyzed, then you need a wheelchair forever. So if there's something that happens, that's the way I look at it with like psychiatric meds, like mental health medicine is like sometimes something happens where you might need that medicine forever and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But there are ways to use that medicine to get you better, to give you time to heal until you can make the appropriate lifestyle changes or whatever, rehab, physical therapy. Like, you know, if you break a bone and it's in a cast, sometimes your muscles atrophy and you have to go through physical therapy to get the range of motion and strength back. And it's kind of the same thing with mental health is the way I look at it is like you can make lifestyle changes like meditating more to 
get your kind of, I guess, you know, emotional yeah, strength maybe back. Maybe that will work and maybe it won't. I, I guess that's right. the tricky part with mental health is like you can't yeah. really know ahead of time whether it's, it is an issue that is permanently going to be needed. I just hate the black and white mentality like about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like either, I, either you're one of those people anything. that's just going to say that, that is going to kind of gaslight people and be like, you, uh, if you're, if you don't like get off your mental health meds by meditating, then you suck. Or <laughs> you're going to be on mental health meds forever and you shouldn't even try to do anything else. Like there is a gray area, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's a balance to be found as with most things. I, yeah. yeah. I, I can't do black and white so, for almost anything. Everything is shades of gray yeah. to me. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that worked for you. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, so for now, that is what's working. Who knows if it will continue. Yeah. But right now, um, I've been, I found a good like morning routine that gets me in a good awesome. stable mood. I did have one incredible meditation experience that wow. I wish I could recreate that is... Uh, the kind of meditation experience that you like wait your whole life for. I was nice. in Chennai and they have this open kind of temple area meditation hall. So it's a marble floor and there's columns, but it's all open air. And my family and I went in there and we sat down and I could hear my mantra like it was coming from outside of me, like it was being played on a speaker somewhere. I mm -hmm. wasn't doing it at all. I was just sitting there and it was vibrating in me and around me That's without cool. me doing. And oh, amazing. One That's experience really awesome. like that in 40 years. So <laughs> I love to hear about it though. I'm like, I'm about it. I'm, and that's also. These things happen, but I also think, like, they don't happen all the time, clearly. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's special. Uh, is <laughs> that it's a special what, memory. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, is that what – so I feel like I should know this, but I don't. Is that kind of what transcendental meditation is? I mean, was that a transcendental experience? Know. That's a good question. It, it sounds, sounds like, like it. it, right? That seems yeah. like what the word transcendental should mean. Yeah. I only know transcendental meditation as being like it was defined by the people who did the TM movement and right. associated as being like mantra based. You know, some meditations mm. are based on your breath or feeling certain things within your body. And TM is all about the mantra repeating mm. in mm. your mind. But yeah, I do think ideally it doesn't feel like a doing action. It doesn't feel right. like you're pushing it. It's just arising in your mind. Yeah. That sounds like what that is. But that's, again, like I was saying, like meditation is something that just like happens to you sometimes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have this like crazy wild experience. Probably not very often for most of us. Yeah. But But when you do get those little glimpses, you have to create the space for them to happen by sitting down or doing whatever it is yep, that you do. They don't happen if you don't ever do it, right? So. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, wow, that's really cool. So um, did that meditation practice, like, did that, did you practice that while you were, like, home with your kids, while you were, like, in the thick of it? No, not really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I know these – I'm not personally, but like, I guess on Instagram, I see these like yoga teachers that are like, they have this like beautiful hour and a half long practice every day and they like <laughs> get it on video and, and it's just beautiful and perfect. And I'm like, I'm not that beautiful and perfect, I guess. No. But so I, I like to that. hear the realness of like, and the we other need to thing let go too of what it's like, supposed to Instagram, look like. Yeah. There's so much about like, oh, if only we taught children to meditate, what a beautiful world we would have. And yeah. I'm like, mm, yeah, I guess if you if you modify the meditation that works well for children, like there's a yeah. book called Moody, Moody Cow Meditates, and it's about creating oh, yeah. like a, a sparkle jar and then watching the sparkles go yeah. down. Like that's a nice way for children to meditate. But like speaking totally. from personal experience, teaching children how to do a mantra based meditation for 30 minutes is not going to make world peace. 
Yeah, some of the advice I've gotten from people has just been really off base like that. I'm like, do y'all know children? Have you ever met a child? You know what's you know, been like, really nice with my kids though? <laughs> yeah. The Kujas. We have Oh, I been, bet they enjoy that. Yeah, because it's something a little more active that they can see yeah. and participate in. So I have one child rings the bell Aww. and the other one says ohm while I move the flames and then, you know, I put the flames over them and then they blow out the candles, which <laughs> conservative Hindus have criticized me for this. They're like, you are not supposed to blow on those candles. And I'm like, right. You're supposed my to kids snuff enjoy them. it. I don't care. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I love it. I love hearing that we can let go of some of the dogmatism around it and still find the beautiful benefit. That's just, I love that validation. I love hearing that from other people than just me because that's kind of the approach I've taken. And I just don't hear that often. Yeah. It makes me feel validated. And I hope it makes some people listening feel validated because I think there's just a lot of pressure, you know, even other people like, other people are like, why don't you just involve your kids and so you can still get your regular practice? And I'm like, I can't involve my kids, but it's still not going to be the regular practice like it was no, before no. I had kids. You a two-year-old. Oh, my goodness, yeah. no. <laughs> like, yeah, so I just thank you for that. Um, so back to marketing. I know I, I'm just <laughs> making these switches like, you know. I wish I had a better segue than that. Well, it's because like, we're having such a good conversation, so we get I know, off track. So much interesting it's like stuff. So interesting. Yeah. So, um, you started kind of finding your way, making your way out of um, stay-at-home momhood into digital marketing. Did did you st- start that after your kids went to school, or was it kind of a slow process um, as they were? Yeah, it was mostly after they started going to school. My husband is a Montessori guide, so cool, which is what they call teachers. Um, And Montessori starts the kids like really young, so Uh at eighteen months they can start going to school. So my kids, we didn't start my youngest Priya. uh, I think she was two when she started, not eighteen months, but. They were in full day, five days a week school from the time that they were really little. Yeah. Um, which was hugely helpful to me, obviously. That's you cool. still have, yeah. like, you have to pick them up and drop them off and pack their lunches and, you know, be, be available if the school calls because they're sick and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. But it definitely gave me those quiet hours in the day to be able to do client work and to be able to pitch myself and meet new people and all of that. And it still has its ups and downs because as you saw, Garrick is homesick today and he's like, how come Mm -hmm. you're not spending the whole day playing with me? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's also important to, thanks for sharing about that because it's like, that's what, you know, my kids too. And he goes to, it's not Montessori, but it's like a little preschool thing like that. And it's full day, Mm-hmm. Um, or they're open like, you know, seven thirty to five thirty or something like that. So like, I, he's not there all of those hours, but he can be there any time in between then. And it's that's worked really well for me. And I just feel like it's another one of those things that there's like pressure in the outside yeah. world to like do everything perfect a certain way. And yeah, I definitely it, have had to let yeah. go of some guilt feelings yeah. about like I yeah. do enjoy having my kids out of the house. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That makes me not a perfect mother that I'm not like spending all day baking bread with them. But I I do appreciate the quiet when I leave the house. Yeah. So that's what I think it's like if I could highlight anything, it's that like there's no one right way for everybody. Yeah. And I'm glad you found a right way. And I'm not trying to tell anybody that's listening that your way or my way is the right way. Just if anything, if I could point out like that it's a very intuitive process, like to follow what makes sense for you and what works for you and let go of what other people might think or what societal pressure is. Um, so, so I guess that leads back. So I guess that's when, when you were doing like your internships and stuff around then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how did that progress into, cause I think a lot of times it's like, running a business is like it doesn't take off overnight like you don't just start no, a business and then have thing. like the like common theme 
like yeah. with the Instagram yeah. and seeing these people, they put out this stuff about like, oh, well, I just started this business and now I'm making 10K months and right. I'm vacationing every six months and it's, it's so beautiful. Do you want to know my my secret method, my step-by-step right. step how to do it? Yeah, you just get launch so your six-figure course by two weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just get exhausted from seeing those over and over and over. And I have to stop myself from feeling bad because no, I'm not making 10K months. I'm working towards it. I'm trying. I'm getting there. But like, it takes time for me anyway. I'm not, I don't mm. know, magical. But I have to stop and think like five years ago, I didn't have any of this knowledge or skills. Like, I got to pat myself on the back. I've actually come yeah. a really long way. <laughs> well, I also think, just want to point out quickly that 10K months, they're probably spending a lot. Like, that's their income, not their profit, I think, most of the time, or these six-figure businesses. Like, they're spending a lot on either a team or ad spend or both of those things. And to me, it's like, I would rather just not spend that much money and make less money and... That's a really good point. And yeah, I felt really like, refreshed. I met this woman the other day who she was like, so here's the results of my email campaign. Now, bear in mind, this went to a warm audience. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, it's really refreshing to see somebody admit that because usually right. you just see them say the result and then you're out there with like your email list of 12 people and going, how come <laughs> this isn't working? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, thanks for openly sharing about that because I think it's also like it's so refreshing in the um online marketing world. I like I have accused digital course creators, although I am one, of being <laughs> the new pyramid schemes before. Because there's some truth just, to that. It's the dishonesty. It's the the yeah. being it's the like kind of nudging the truth in order to get more sales. Like, I cannot stand that. Yeah. So authenticity matters. That's, I feel like a good segue, in fact, to like how, what are the parallels or things that, things that you've learned from network marketing that you apply or think, you know, things that work really well. What's your approach? Um, did you just say more about that? Yeah, I guess, um, once I realized that funnels were what I was really interested in and good at, and I started researching them more, you, of course, uh, you hit Russell Brunson with his ClickFunnels software mm. really fast. Yeah. And, um, you know, as somebody who was pretty new, it was hard to trust my instincts that that wasn't the way that I wanted to do marketing. Um. So can you just you know, you, you really define get, yeah so so we so um funnels get really misunderstood a lot because yeah. Russell Brunson is out there saying that like a funnel is this slick product that goes through his mm -hmm. software where there's with the artificial deadlines and exactly. stuff like the countdown the, like, timer you that's must just going to reset now it's going to yeah. ruin your life if you don't sign up this second the price is yeah. going to go up and like the high pressure sales calls and all of that stuff and a funnel does not have to be that way a funnel mm -hmm. is really it's a customer journey and it's the way that you guide people who have never heard of you before to becoming right. clients. So there's three basic steps. You're going to go out and meet people online, in my case, because I'm a digital marketer, but I'm sure it works in yeah. person too. <laughs> so you yeah. meet people, you guide them towards some kind of nurturing, building a relationship, getting to know them, helping them to get to know you so that they develop that trust authentic, real trust, not pretend fake trust. Right. This is not about tricking people because yeah, people need what you have. You created your course or your business or you started your network marketing business because you believed in it and you knew people needed mm -hmm. it. So it's not about tricking people who don't want it into buying it. It's about right. helping the people who do want it to find you and to understand what it is so that the, they can become right. your client or customer. And to frame what you're doing in a way that speaks to what they need. Because I've, that's my biggest struggle, I think, is like, I know people need the things that I know, but I don't know how to like communicate <laughs> it all the time in a way that like speaks to what people are looking for. You know that what I mean? That is a big challenge in marketing yeah. because we always fall back to 
um, ourselves and centering it around ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you have to constantly remind yourself, this is not about me. This is about where are they at? What do they need to hear to be Mm -hmm. able to make an informed decision about purchasing this product or this service? And, um, and, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're not ready for it yet. And what can I gift them to help them take that step Mm -hmm. towards being ready for it? Yeah. But yeah, always, always thinking from the point of view of the client and what they yeah. will get out of it. Yeah. yeah. And so that was the second step you said, right? Like nurturing, nurturing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then eventually you make your offer um, because this is a business and we are making money. Yeah. So you offer, but I don't see any need to pressure people about it. It's right. here it is. If it's the right time for you, then. Right. And may- maybe this is why I'm not making 10K months. I mean, to be honest, maybe yeah. if it was a higher pressure closer salesperson, I'd be making lots of but, big bucks. But, but then you probably sleep better at night, night too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's like I really just don't, I don't buy the high pressure because I don't like feeling it. You know, if I get on a yeah. call with somebody and I feel like they are not thinking about what is the right choice for me right now they're just thinking get her to spend the money get her to spend the money like that's right. very unpleasant and I don't want that yeah. to be the experience people have with me and what I'm offering yeah yeah I love that yeah because and I think also explaining that process feels good like so whether anybody listening has an entrepreneurship type business or not that that model applies to your business but you can also think about that when you're thinking about spending money or buying a course, like you were saying, you were trying to sort through what is a good digital marketing, say, course to buy, but it could apply to it because there's a lot of value in online courses, but there's a lot of snake oil sellers out there too. Mm. And I think understanding the process, understanding the business model behind it can help sort through like, does this feel good? Does this feel authentic or does it not? Yeah. Trust your instincts for sure. I got on a sales call with somebody a couple months ago and you know he's telling me what would it mean for you to be getting this result and how is that going to change your life they're trained with certain mm-hmm. phrases it's and like if scripts take, if you get yeah. on enough of these calls you'll hear this a lot and I start crying because of course yes getting to that result is going to change my life and he thinks he's got it in the bag now because I'm crying uh, <laughs> and he's like oh don't worry that happens you know it really breaks you down I'm like yeah, I want this result. I don't think you're the person to get me there because you have this real like backwards baseball cap bro language that you use. And that's Mm -hmm. not me. And I don't think that's going to get me where I want to be. Yeah. (laughs) And for some people, that's the right fit. And he was like so angry because it was like, oh, well, we have women in our courses. Like, great. Good for you. Like, I guess those women are just not me. Yeah. (laughs) But for me, this doesn't feel right. This is not aligned to what I want to do yeah and I think that's I think that's powerful yeah because there's a lot of psychology to it to the like Mm -hmm. marketing and stuff and they leverage that you know and I've been caught up in some of them like things that I bought and I'm like this wasn't right for me yeah I hate that trickiness about it because yes they are trained to use your psychology against you to trick you into buying something and like to me marketing is about connecting it's not about yeah it's about connecting the right person with the right product. And if you this is not the right fit, why would you force it? Then you have customers who are difficult, mm. not real happy to be there, right. feel like they've been tricked. Probably not going to give you a good review if <laughs> right. they leave one at all. Who yeah. wants that? They're not going to refer you by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So I guess we have run over our time, and I apologize because I know you got I'm just children's. having such a good time, but I, I have to go play Minecraft. I know. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm on a schedule here. <laughs> okay. So is there anything, any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Anything that I didn't kind of get to or we didn't cover? Uh, I guess I would just say that if any of your listeners do have a business and want some clarity about their own, how a funnel might look for them, you can definitely get mm. on a call with me with no pressure. Yeah. Um, so that's at www.increaseyourimpact.life slash book a call. And I'd love okay. to just have a conversation. I will put that link in the show notes. And so I think that's beautiful. If people resonated with your authenticity, seems like a good fit. I would hope that they would reach out to you because, yeah, it seems very, 
Awesome. So thank you so much for sharing so authentically with us today and sharing your wisdom about funnels and mom life, all kinds (laughs) of stuff. It's been super delightful to talk to you. This is really fun. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Well, that's it for today, y'all. This is the last episode uh, regularly scheduled before I take maternity leave as I release this. Actually, tomorrow is my due date because everything takes me longer. I recorded the intro and was started the processing of this episode a week ago and got taken away from it and couldn't come back until now. And here I am releasing it. So I just wanted to give you another quick reminder to make sure you hit subscribe because then if there's any like pop-up episodes or because as of right now, I don't actually know when I'll be back. If you hit subscribe, you'll be notified when I start releasing episodes again or if I put out anything as a surprise in the meantime because, like I said, it'll be a surprise for me too. I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm kind of embracing the uncertainty at this point and I hope that y'all will stick around and I'll get a chance to talk to you or talk at you, I guess, since most of y'all don't um, ever reach out to me, but you could. If you wanted to, I'd be open to it. Um, find me on social media, especially my Facebook group is the best way to find me. But I am on Instagram. If you connect with me on there, just like shoot me a message that this is how you, how we connected. I'd love to know. I'd love to find out. And happy almost spring here in the Northern Hemisphere. I do expect to do a wisdom talk on Ayurveda for Pitta season, which is what we'll be entering. We are still in Kappa season, so you can go back and listen to that episode. Um, Yeah, anyway, take care, y'all. And as always, remember, keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Until next time.